0: Welcome, you're listening to the Social Care Podcast with Audrey and David, aka Baggy.
1: Welcome to our podcast. We hope to give insight into what it means to be a social care worker and chat with people doing interesting things in the social care world.
0: This week, we have Audrey Darby from Child Vision on the podcast. Audrey's an occupational therapist who's worked with Child Vision for the past 18 years During this time, she's been involved in assessment, treatment and support of children and young people across the campus. Around 12 years ago, she was asked to become involved with the newly emerging Equine Therapy Unit. Over this time and full time for the past five years, she's worked alongside a team of equine instructors, developing and providing therapeutic input to service users from across the Child Vision campus, and also to children and young people from a range of other backgrounds. Providing therapeutic input in an equine environment has been the most engaging and enjoyable part of Audrey's career to date. She's also involved in research and presentations internationally and has won awards for this. So Baggy, how did you find this interview?
1: Well, as you know, I I work with Audrey and I've always seen the amazing work that she does. And as we said, us getting people's stories out there and showing that social care work is a broader way of working than just working in a house yeah I I really enjoyed the interview as you know I've worked with Audrey for a long time and I've seen the amazing work that she does but it's great to have the opportunity to get it out there to other people and give them the information to come and see the work that her and her team do
0: yeah and I think our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing the benefits of occupational therapy and equine therapy on service users. And even though she was talking about the service users and cohorts that she's working in particular, I think people will be able to relate it to other areas, whether it's adults with intellectual disabilities, young people in mainstream care, or even people who are working with people with addiction or homeless services. Now, I know that's not going to be a priority for a lot of those groups, but you might be able to see what kind of benefits that equine therapy will have.
1: But there have been projects... In those areas, uh, one in Tala and one in Ballyferment that I'm aware of that both closed down and they were dealing with people who were from families that would have social issues, but because it's an expensive thing to run, uh, they both have closed down so The buildings are there. The horses were available. But the people who were working on them, you you can't depend on volunteers to run everything. And you need to pay for the electricity, the food for the horses, the vets, the upkeep, insurance, lots of stuff like that. So they were they were two uh, projects which are now closed and the the two areas that they were in are uh, all the poorer for them being closed Mm -hmm. I think that what Audrey and as I say the lady she works with Terry Brosnan are doing is fabulous and they're they're working at a good pace to build it up they're not getting ahead of themselves and they're doing it step by step they have a plan and luckily enough they have an organization like vision behind them it's not something that it's starting independently and trying to work off they have the students in the schools they have the clients who come in for services and then they have links to other organizations who want to access them so they're working in a very particular way at the moment but as Audrey was saying they have plans to extend and hopefully welcome more people in.
0: So for anyone listening we hope you enjoyed this podcast.
1: Hello again, and welcome to our new edition of the Social Care Podcast, uh, where we're sharing stories with myself, Baggy and Audrey Moore. Today, we are going to be chatting with a very interesting lady who I have worked in the same organization with for uh, many years. Her name is Audrey Darby and she works in the area of equine assisted occupational therapy. Now that might be something new to a lot of people, broaden our interest and our education in that area. So I'd like to welcome Audrey. How are you doing?
2: Very well. Thanks for having me on.
1: So Forsey, would you like to fill us in on exactly what equine assisted occupational therapy is? And do you call it that in the full name or do you?
2: Yes. Well, first of all, I suppose a bit of background. I am first and foremost an occupational therapist. And then at a later stage in my career, I specialized in using horses as my therapy medium, horses and the equine environment. So um, in order to answer that question, I suppose I should go back and review what is occupational therapy for For other people, because, you know, I started studying way back in the late 80s, embarrassingly long ago. And when I started in OT, I didn't actually really know what it was about. And I spent four years in Trinity studying, and I still didn't really know what I was doing. It is a very broad profession. It goes in under the umbrella of speech therapists, occupational therapists, and physiotherapists. So we are the the allied health professionals. And then the bigger umbrella of that would be the psychologists, the social workers, and yourselves as social care workers. So it's all under that family. And, um, you know, the basic part of occupational therapy is that we would help people to be as independent in their lives as they possibly can and to live as fulfilling a life as they possibly can. So we work with anybody with like either a physical or a psychological or social difficulties and we help them to live their life to the fullest. And I suppose, you know, that's very close to what social care workers do, as in you are with them and you're supporting their development in life. I suppose, you know, the thing about us is we're not with them all the time. We come in and make goals and we support you guys to help them on the more ongoing basis. But also we look at the underlying skills that are not there and give pointers as to how they can be supported and developed. So we can work with practically anybody, you know, we can work with, I specialize in children, but occupational therapists work with young adults who are vulnerable, they'll work with, they can work with people with mental health difficulties. When I was studying, I used to think that I'd like to work in the area of psychiatry, and I used to go over to London during my summers, and I worked in some of the big institutions, and at the time they were trying to close them down, and they had to move all the people from institution living out into the community. So the biggest drive for OTs was to teach them to be independent, and there were some poor people there who didn't even know how to turn on a light because the light always came on. They'd been in the institution since they were in their teenage years. One girl in particular, Mother of God, she was in her sixties and she was popped into an institution when she was 16 because she got pregnant wow. um, outside marriage. But she'd become so institutionalized that she couldn't look after herself. You know, So the OTs came in and taught her how to cook, how to you know turn on the light, how to shop, how to go and be part of a community and that. So that was very interesting.
0: So, Audrey, you have been working with Child Vision since 2004, isn't that right?
2: That's right, yeah. And
0: could could you tell us more about the work that you do there, or even that you started off doing there as an occupational therapist?
2: Yeah, that's right. So after I... Qualified, I worked in lots of physical hospitals. I worked in Beaumont, I worked in Kappa, and then I wanted to change. Uh, So, an opportunity came to work in child vision, and I thought that would be great. So, it was with children, uh, which I hadn't really worked with. And then it was also with children who are visually impaired. Yes, as I say, I started here in 2004 and I was providing a surface across the campus to children in the preschool, primary school, residential services. So, kind of from zero to about 22. So, very broad range. But I think one of the, you know, interesting parts about child vision is that we provide services to those who have visual impairment plus a lot of other complicated issues, Mm. Um, so we had to become not just specialists in visual impairment, but also in autism and learning disability and cerebral palsy and all of those additional things that went along with it so I very much enjoyed my work here it was very varied and uh, yeah it's a great campus in that you can work alongside all the other professionals we have all the other therapists and we have all the social care workers and it is a great place to work
1: well can, can I just say like since I started uh around the campus and seeing how the equine has developed like you've taken it from a very kind of basic setup and um, maybe tell us a bit about your stables and i say uh, the horses i you know i'm very interested in the background of the horses because they're uh, it's kind of giving them a second life yes yeah
2: so about 12 years ago um Brian Allen, who's the CEO of Child Vision, came to me and said, we've been donated two horses. And how would you feel about, you know, supporting the setup of a therapy unit? So I was like, I don't know one end of a horse from another, um, but I'll certainly be open-minded. So I went and, you know, did a few courses and, you know, went to a lovely lecture on hippotherapy, which is like, and it was just like a eureka moment for me. I kind of could understand when I was watching the movement of the horse how I could use this. To help the kids that I was seeing so we had two horses and an instructor who used to come in once or twice a week so we started really small we were just seeing a couple of the preschool and primary school children but over time then and for the last five years I've been working full-time and we have a team of instructors and equine therapy project manager and we've made liaisons with other organizations around the world and um, so it has grown from strength to strength but my job is still to see the children that I see and to help them with their occupational therapy goals, instead of seeing them in the clinic room, um I with the ball pool and the slide and all that, I see them on a horse and in the horse environment. So I use the movement of the horse to help them. Okay. And I'm wondering
0: how do horses help with occupational therapy? <laughs> how long have you got? I'll tell this and keep is probably something you've been like you're coming to us as this absolute expert, you know, but really, I don't know this. So I'm,
2: I'm absolutely enthralled. How, how do they help? The very first thing is the movement of the horse. So the actual horse's pelvis moves the same way as a human's does. So when you get on the horse, you have to hold yourself And you have to balance so that the first two things that happen, you also get a huge amount of sensory input because you're having to respond to the movement of the horse and then your brain gets stimulated. So if you have problems with movement, your body is responding to this movement and the movement is natural. It's not like bouncing on a therapy ball and the brain learns new patterns. So children who have poor posture, children who have cerebral palsy, their movement is normalized through using the horse. The sensory part is massive, so they're getting all of this proprioception and vestibular input, the movement input, the body awareness from being on the horse. And that's really important in kids who have a visual impairment because they don't naturally get enough of all of this sensory input to help them to develop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because they have no vision, they don't explore the world in the same way. They don't move around and play in the playground in the same way as a typically developing child would. So we can actually encourage that input for them. And that helps their body and their skills to develop over time. The horse environment is amazing it is really motivating. It is natural. It's outdoors. You know, there's lots of smells, sounds, sights. We would have young people working in the yard, pushing wheelbarrows and pushing each other in wheelbarrows. If you want to get a bit of weight Mm. into it, they learn to feed the horse. They learn to look after the horse, to clean up after it and do the muck out and carry water buckets. All of these are really therapeutic things. Really practical Mm. skills there, isn't it? And I just
1: say that feedback that I had from students uh, that I knew had gone, they find that for a change, they're the caregiver. Sometimes they're grooming the horses.
2: They're
1: they're leading something that's five, six, seven times bigger than themselves. And in a lot of areas in their life, they feel they've no control on things. But all of a sudden here they are, like you say, grooming, feeding, riding them. And then the other side was the interactive one. Where yep. they go out on your sensory trail, mm-hmm. so maybe would you? That's not how the sensory trail works for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and as you're saying, all of those things are amazing. And the horse itself relates to people really well. It can tune in to people's needs when they're anxious, when they're, you know, all of those things. And someone with a disability generally they have a lot of things done for them and to them and they don't have many opportunities in life to take care of other people and take responsibility so it is lovely to turn those tables and it's very natural we have hills we have little pathways where they can choose whether they want to go in the woods or and um, we have a water bath which is really nice because they have the feeling of going down and then the splish splash and then up the other side really nice feelings and sensations and sounds um Out there, and then we have we can layer on lots of other things. So if a child is working on maths problems, we can put a maths game into one of the boxes that's on the trail. So the horse will stop, and they open up the box, and they'll take out the game, and they'll have to work it out. But because they've been on the horse and had a good walk on the horse, and we have manipulated the environment to help them, they will be at their best place position to concentrate and to learn so they're calm organized and ready to learn so when they do that when they're on the horse it's much more effective than just sitting in a classroom on a chair so we can we can layer on different levels of input that's
0: brilliant Um, and I imagine it helps with um, behavior as well would I be right
2: yes so when children are acting out The very first reason you look at is their sensory processing to see if they're uncomfortable in the body, someone who has sensory processing difficulties will feel agitated all the time like there's an itch in the bottom of your foot it's driving you crazy. And if that's there you really can't concentrate on communicating on learning on interacting and all of those social skills get lost, so if we can calm that itch then they are ready. So the horse environment and the movement of the horse is fantastic for calming that itch. And then they're ready to engage and learn. And often that itch is the problem when children are presenting with behaviors. Now, after you've sorted out the sensory difficulties and you still have behaviors, then that's behaviors. And that's when you start taking a different approach. But it's really good to try and rule out the sensory issues, first of all. And that's a real OT thing.
1: But I think yourself and Terry Brosnan, who you work with down there, yeah. I think I think you have a really good attitude towards the students because you have I call it, I suppose success stories where students have engaged with you, but then after they've left, they've carried on or they've gone on to do voluntary work or kept That's up right. the writing separate from being in a service. That's so, right.
0: Well, I was going to ask what improvements or what success stories you you have and so obviously there are a few out there.
2: There are lots, but um you know the one that Baggy's referring to are some of our vocational students or lifelong learning where they're learning skills for life and they come down here once or twice a week and they have a list of jobs so they have to turn up on time they have to fulfill their list of jobs and you know some of them have enjoyed it so much that they have gone on to find experience in other stables outside child vision when they move on so they might be doing things like mucking out or they might be doing things like they have two horses to groom but you know they have to have awareness of themselves and the stable around a horse there's a lot of skills in there that they do and then some of them have learned to that some of them the riding is the bit that they like the best some like the the stable management the best and and others like the riding and some do both. And we've had some students achieve, you know, quite amazing skills and standards of riding considering they are visually impaired. Indeed, we had one girl who was blind, totally blind and cantered around the arena on a horse. And that level of trust is just mind blowing to me that you can't see where this massive animal has taking you and yet wow. you will allow it to move fast. They just love it and you know there's two girls who came last year on a wednesday at half past one and a quarter past one they'd be down with their hats on their gear on ready to lead the horse out and you know i mean and they have beautiful memories of being here they take photographs with the horse they become their friend and um, they'll come down and visit them when they're uh, not actually during their sessions so it's it's a very powerful environment and um, for people that's fantastic. Before we go on, I'd like to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast
0: series, Trust Social Care Consultancy. I am owner and consultant of this independent business for the support and development of those working in social care. I help social care workers by providing professional supervision and mentoring. I also provide regular group supervision to teams working in social care. If you want to find out more, you'll find me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn or visit trustconsultancy.ie. Now, back to the podcast.
2: As an OT, you have the skills to break down activity and see what are the component parts that are really important and what the skills are that you need in order to do that and then help someone develop those skills. So that's our really, I suppose, our specialty. So when I was looking at horses and thinking, can I do this? I was able to break down what was happening on the horse and, and, and work out how I can use that therapeutically to help someone. So essentially, when you are an OT, you have The skills to use swimming or horse riding or many other activities as a therapy environment, but equine has grown hugely in popularity over the last number of years in America. Now there are hundreds and hundreds of equine assisted occupational therapists, and you can study with them. I've done some study with the American Hippotherapy Association and that sort of stuff. You know, just to hone the skills and to make sure that you're going in the right direction.
1: And can I ask, were you? a young girl who wanted a pony and, <laughs> and and ended up having a stable of horses now or did this no. develop later no no,
2: I have a photograph or a video actually of myself when I was about six on a pony in a bikini top and a mini skirt, a pair of sandals <laughs> and no helmet. <laughs> and the horse was running away with me across the field. He decided he wanted to go home for his dinner and he chucked me off on the way. So that was actually the end of my horse career at that oh, point. Wow. Um wow. Yeah, and I didn't learn to ride until I was an adult. But I do but, now. I have yeah. developed the love affair late in life for them.
1: <laughs> but, but you're clearly now acknowledged as... The horse therapist here and I see you got very good feedback when you were out at the horse show recently
2: Yes, we did. We were in the RDS for the week and it was a lovely, lovely week. Really nice to network. They had a new enterprise where it was called Positive Strides and it was trying to highlight the other work that horses do. So horses do high level eventing and show jumping and we all know that and the flat racing that we can all bet on and, you know, and it's just looking at the other areas that horses are involved in. And there are a good few organizations around Ireland who are providing therapeutic riding. So they might not have a therapist involved, but they have people. People who are well experienced in helping people with disabilities on horses you know and we were part of that and it was just enlightening and as part of it we had uh, rupert isaacson along who is um he has his own he was a horseman himself had a whole I don't know what you call it in America, but they had a farm of horses and um, but he kept his son away from the horses because he felt it was not safe. But one day he was coming home and and the neighbor's horse was nearby and his son wanted to be with the horse and the horse was an old, quiet horse. So he allowed it and he put him up on him as he requested by pointing. And he just saw the difference in the child in that, you know, all of his his agitation So he kind of went further on with this. And then he talked to a lot of people who had autism, who were really high functioning and had developed in the world. People like Temple Grandin, also very, very famous. And over time, he also went on a trek across the world with his son, looking to try and find how he could help him. And he, de- he wrote books and he developed this method called the Horse Boy Method. And basically, it involves being on the horse with the child and getting the movement into the child. And then when they are best placed to do their learning to support their learning and their communication. So yes, we would use that method here. And it is lovely to be up on a horse with some of the preschoolers and the little kids.
1: Something that's a bit close to my heart is not being risk averse with children and young people who have disabilities. Do you come up against that much when people are starting for the first time working with horses and that the movement and whatever of the horses gives them some of that? Same way as we provide judo for the students. So they're they're getting that contact, whatever. But sometimes parents are afraid that if they get involved in something that's physical or that's new or that there might be a danger of you know if the horse kicks out, if she falls off the horse, if she's allergic to horses, you know, take the risk that something might work if we go there. You know, if I don't try it, I won't know. But there's a lot of people, a lot of families with children who have disabilities you know something is suggested to them and there's something innate in them as a parent who wants to protect their child and fears i am not going to put my child in something that i feel is uh, could go wrong but in, in actual yeah. fact it's their own fears rather than the fear of actually something going wrong like yes. i mean i'm saying do people engage
2: it's the students really who'd be more risk averse sometimes right. um The parents are usually enthralled by the idea of their child having a horse. And I suppose over time, a lot of beautiful video footage has gotten out around the campus, certainly, and a little bit wider about, you know, I think the longest was eight or nine sessions that it took me to get a child up on a horse that their parent wanted it. And they weren't so sure. And that was more to do with their sensory profile than anything. But once they get on, It is just like, Mm. oh, my God, I'm at home. But sometimes when they're older, it's harder because they're like, you know, "Uh, no, no, thank you. Uh, uh, No, thank you. And there's a risk of this and that might happen. And no, I don't want to do that. But yet, you know, inside that this is a really, really beneficial activity for them. And you know that it can help them on so many levels. So that can be a bit of a challenge parents are very welcome to sessions and generally I have found that you know if they are averse then they won't send their child and that I find really hard because you're looking at this little baby thinking oh I have so much to offer here and I can help your child so much and if you're not ready for it but I I think you know as you're saying if we would point them towards like you know the website and the videos of what we do and sometimes when they go home and think about it you know they do come back to us and they get involved but
0: so audrey i understand that you did something interesting during covid with uh, in order to continue with providing
2: the service so do you want to tell tell us about that oh yeah we went out on home visits it was just lovely you know, because children, all of a sudden of a Thursday, we were all told to go home and there was nothing. Um, And we were all here with the horses minding them. And, you know, by June, it was facing into the summer holidays. And we thought, well, how can we actually reach out? So we decided to go out and visit the primary school children in their homes, wow. went through all the red tape with the permissions and all the rest of it and going outside our 5k or whatever it was at the time and we went to their houses and we'd arrive up with the horse box and with two horses and just take them out in the front garden we ended up in the most unusual places from, you know, beautiful homes over the south side of the city to, you know, we took a horse out in, in, uh, Valley Firmish and, and we took the horse out and brought it up to the door that we thought it was the door of the house we were going to <laughs> knocked on the door and someone came out and we were standing there with two horses and, um, <laughs> you know, and we said, we were looking for such and such. He said, no, I think you have the wrong house, calm as a cucumber. Like it was nothing mm. unusual for someone to rock up to your front door with two horses in your hand. Oh, um, yes, yeah, so we just went up to the, you know, up the road to the right <laughs> house. <laughs> it was just gorgeous. And we were in the inner city in Dublin. And, you know, in the traffic and, and everything and these children would come out and just that moment that they connected with the animal that they loved and um, you know, and we got some beautiful video footage of it, which is amazing to have. Wow, wow. Um, can people see that video footage? Is it, yeah, is it up online if, somewhere? Yeah, it is. So if they just Google child vision, equine and RTE, they'll find it. It comes up very easily. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. Well, it looked just, brilliant. Yeah. And one of the children actually, Jekka, the memories that it's it bringing up. You know, one of, is quite autistic and uh, he just walked up to the horse and smelled it. <laughs> Oh, just and you could just see him. Just you know, that was what he needed. Well, it was
1: great you know. that you saw a gap, and you know how much the horses mean to the children, and yeah. how much how much they engaged. Which and I, I, think, was an amazing thing to actually go out and do that. I know we all did little things to benefit our clients and students and stuff, but I, I just it took a lot. The workarounds to get something like that going and i know i know that uh, it was well talked about especially i didn't know you were doing it when i saw it on the news i just went wow that was
2: <laughs> the joy is just it's very special yeah
0: and do you think there's room for growth in this industry i mean like i'm sure that children in mainstream residential even children in in regular schools might benefit yeah. from
2: equine therapy there's so much scope. There is so much scope. So, I mean, you know, we deal with children with visual impairment. We have quite a big cohort with autism. It's really good for helping to regulate children with autism, children with down syndrome who are low tone and they don't have good exercise tolerance. It helps with all those things. Children with cerebral palsy, little girl there recently who she was so weak in her core that when she sat on the toilet for toilet training, she was just falling over. Um, and by being on the horse, we got her strong enough to sit up and her walking improved and, you know, all of those things. But there's also, you know, the aspect of more mainstream children, you know, working on concentration, working on social skills. They mm-hmm. We see them in little groups and we do obstacle courses and team building and taking turns and social skills. And, you know, you can work on so many different areas in it. And then like even further and higher on when you're working on we have a group of children who have like ADHD and dyspraxia, and it's kind of hard for them. Concentration is hard, listening to instruction is hard, but they love horses, so we teach them to ride. You know, and what do you have to do when you're riding? You have to listen, you have to stay focused and mindful with this animal that you are helping and steering and asking it to do things. And um, you know, you can't let your mind wander off all over there because things go wrong. And and the children learn in a really sportive environment. To actually, and the sense of achievement when they can go off the lead rein and they can get the horse right around the arena and steer it and do what they want with it is phenomenal. So, do you know from the very basics of a baby in your arms and you're supporting it to hold its head to children? who have real, you know, high functioning difficulties and or maybe even low self-esteem, you know, and you're teaching them writing skills, just the possibilities are endless. There is a big push to expand this across the world, but we're a little bit slower in Ireland, but we will over time and it's funny expanded. because Ireland
0: is a country known for horses and known for we have the Curra we have all these race courses and high maybe, quality
2: horses too yeah, yeah. and yeah. maybe there is scope there for retired horses to go into service like this yes absolutely um you know i think one of the things that we do here is um you know we do bring in new horses on a regular basis. And I suppose one of the important things to say is that they're not all old and decrepit. That When we need to depend on the movement, we need good movement. So we need them to be fit. They're very well and highly trained. Now they have to have the temperament. Yes, naturally in order to be calmer, they tend to be a little bit older but they certainly have to have the right temperament and some of them just don't really want to be around kids and don't really want to be poked and asked to do so and you know what naturally when we're with a child there's a lot of people standing around the horse they have to be comfortable with crowding and all of that and listening to the person on the ground it's a very different skill because a high level horse will be listening to the person on their back controlling them Mm. whereas someone who's a horse give participating in therapy is listen to the person on the ground telling them what to do and um, so it's different there's different skill sets do you know so I hadn't even um, considered that yeah, yeah <laughs> but the quality of the movement is really it, it's one of the core bits that's really important in all of this so yeah so they are highly they have to we do a lot of groundwork with the horses to make sure that they're top quality absolutely and how how is a service like this funded there's uh, a big question the <laughs> facilities were here in child vision which is really lucky and uh, a lot of it is people come and pay for their sessions that doesn't even nearly cover the cost of it and then we are subsidized through fundraising in child vision yeah and
1: you have plans though for the arena that yeah funding as well that will extend your services haven't
2: you yes we kind of have miserable facilities at the minute and um, we have a little outdoor arena which is right beside a car park and a school playground and those children have very special needs so it can be very noisy and unpredictability is not good for horses and we're outdoors in all sorts of weather so it's not ideal it's also not very big Uh, So, yeah, we have big plans for we are fundraising at the minute for a big indoor and that will allow us to see greater amounts of people, but also to be much more private about the therapy that we're providing and just expand the service again. You know, we'll have more space for more numbers coming through.
1: But I think your stables are very, say, the size of them, they're very welcoming. I love that you have the portraits of the horses painted.
2: That's right, yeah, that's Lucy, name. she's very talented. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. I love that The kids have their favourite horses and, yeah, um, but I have to say, like, the idea myself and Audrey had on doing this and it's in part the name of the podcast is sharing stories and I think you've shared a lot with us today. Like, I have to say, uh, it's fabulous to work with people like yourself in, in this organisation and um, I think we're always proud of the work that you do and I'm just happy that you were happy to share with the other Audrey here today and, and from and my and perspective listening.
0: yeah this is all completely new to me and it's very clear that you're so passionate about the work that you do with
2: the young people and the adults and I feel very very lucky to be doing what I do I
0: think I feel like you could probably go on talking for another hour about this you know Easily. I know you've, you've done a huge <laughs> amount of research into equine therapy and you've I know that you present at various conferences about this so how would people find out more about
2: maybe the work that you do so they're very welcome to go on the child Vision website that's childvision.ie and if they click into therapies and equine they'll find um, a video about all the work that we do, which is really informative. And um, my details are there. They can email me at Audrey Darby at at any stage. I'm more than happy to link with anybody who wants to find out more or indeed, you know, come and volunteer or, you know, it takes a lot of people to run a stable. So.
0: That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Audrey. And best to look with the fundraising and your new arena and everything else in the future. Thank you. Absolutely.
2: Thanks for
1: having me. Thanks very much, Audrey. See you soon.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please join us next week as we chat with Adil McKenna about his journey into social care, professional supervision, and making mistakes. Take care.